Tonight, tonight. Why not? He'll make you think. I think I'm going to break protocol here, though. He'll make you laugh. Is it conceited of me? Because, I mean, I'm puffing my chest out a little bit. And he lives for a take that'll make you do both. He says things I can't say. Nothing tops overtime, whether it's on the field or on the air. People don't forget. It's time for Overtime with Jonathan Peterlin. Welcome on in. It is overtime with Jonathan Pito. And glad you guys could be with me here on this Friday night. I mean, it feels like if there was ever a day that they would let me have a couple beers and hang out and do a show, tonight would be that night. They don't let me do those type of things. But, oh, boy, do I feel like I need one. I feel like after after the week that this has been, and it's been a relatively calm week, all things considered. Like I went to, I had to go, I went to the doctor earlier today. And uh, it made, made me feel good because you guys know I've been beating myself up uh, lately for I, I've been trying to get back on the grind of eating healthy and doing everything right. And I'm not a large fellow to begin with anyway, but I'm 6'2", 230, so it is what it is. And I just I, I expected the doctor to go in there and be like, hey, listen, it's physical. We just got to make sure that you're doing things and you're eating right and you're doing the cardio. And I, I, I thought we were going to do all that type of stuff. You know that 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 whole spiel that they give you, where you're like, okay, all right, fine, I'm, I hear you, doc, I'll I'll be better. And I don't know, maybe subconsciously, I started throwing some salads in there because I knew this doctor's appointment was coming. It's kind of like when you start brushing your teeth like 12 times a day before going to the dentist, and like th- you got like three days ahead of time. You're like, all right, now I'm really gonna make this up, as if the cavities are all of a sudden just gonna disappear. Yeah, okay, fine. And uh, so I, I I felt like I almost fooled him. I felt like I almost fooled the doctor. He didn't, he didn't make a single reference to the weight gain. He didn't make a single reference to the fact that uh, maybe, just maybe, I needed to throw in some salads a few weeks ago as opposed to in the past couple days. And I felt like overall, it's like if I went in for a car check and all of a sudden they're like, yeah, everything looks great. Don't know why you're even here. And one of those type things, you're like, all right, that's uh, I'm a little worried at how well that went. So I feel really good today is the point. And I'm getting myself all ready for a, a nice Father's Day weekend. And I hope you guys all have your plans all settled. I was so excited. Uh, I was going to set forth the precedent that on Father's Day, I always end up golfing. But I ended up in uh, a situation where now I'm going to be golfing on Saturday. Instead, I can't really justify golfing Saturday and Sunday. As much as I love golf, I can't justify doing it Saturday and Sunday. Hey, Wednesday, Saturday, maybe, you know, Wednesday, Saturday, that's fine. Give me a couple days in between, but the Saturday and then the Sunday thing, I don't have too many weekends where I don't have to do like CBS Sports Radio or anything else. And so that's one of those weekends. So I want to make sure Saturday I'm golfing Sunday. I hang out with my child, but it's a weird father's day. Like it just is. It's weird. My baby's four months old. She's not going to make me a card. She's not going to say happy Father's Day, Dad. She's not even going to like give me an extra smile because she knows it's Father's Day. She's a four-month-old. They can't really do anything. So it's going to be the most self-serving Father's Day I'm ever going to have. I am going to do everything that I want as if it's my birthday, and that's really the only way that I'm going to go about this. So I hope you guys do the same. Uh, because I, at some point, like I was texting with my uncle, uh, uncle earlier today. My uncle was like, I told him my plan. I was like, I'm going to set the precedent about golf every single Father's Day, even though I'm messing up this year. And he was like, that's great. It's not going to last. And I said, you laugh. This, uh, you just, as long as you make it something that you do habitually every single season, and as long as you make it as if it like means, I've always thought Nick Wilson is a genius for what he does with his cabin trip. 
his cabin trip. He does it every single year. And he started it. I already knew him by the time he started it. I've known Nick now for like seven years. And it was like maybe in the year one of knowing him that he started this cabin trip, right? But but the genius behind it is that every single year, I mean, it's it's his annual cabin trip. It's to not be messed with. And then he just has to keep driving home how important it is, how much it matters. It's his annual trip. He talks about it all year long. And it just, he makes it into a really big deal. And it might be for him. It might be. But like, because he talks about it so much, you just, you have to go along with it. You're like, yeah, of course. It's his cabin trip. It's, we do it every year. The Catalina wine mixer. It's a pancake breakfast. We do it. We do it every year. Same thing. Same, same background. Same story here. I just figured if every time. Now I should have picked out a course. That's what I should have done. That's the mistake here. I should have picked out like the really expensive public courses. I don't play private courses. The really expensive public course and been like, that's the, that's the one I play every year. On Father's Day, I play that course every year and that's what makes it special. That's a missed opportunity by me. Maybe we'll start it for year one. Regardless, I am doing great tonight. I hope you guys are doing well. I hope you have your plans all set for the weekend. I hope even if you're like me where uh, for the longest time, you know, my dad passed away 10 years ago. Father's Day used to be kind of a pretty crappy day for me year after year after year. I'm, I'm, I'm choosing to reintroduce Father's Day into my life now that I am a father. If you are one of those people that your dad has passed and the day kind of sucks, been there, understand it. I feel for you guys as well. Hopefully you find another way to keep yourself entertained throughout this weekend, and hopefully that includes hanging out with me. So I want to start with something that the afternoon drive kicked off, and I thought it was a great conversation, and I think you guys are going to be into it. Mike Talman, through the Pittsburgh Steelers social media channel, they released this clip, okay? And what I want you to focus on is not necessarily the message behind the clip, but we're talking about the intensity that Mike Tomlin brings. Here we go. Man, in the growth and development of this thing, man, I'm talking to you about norms, expectations, mindsets, mindsets that you should have. And it's always good to acknowledge reasonable expectations. I expect you get better in all areas, man, whether it's the, the knowledge relative to what it is that you do, the maintenance and the preparation of your body, the understanding of the game, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. You need to continually be a guy on the rise. That is a reasonable expectation, as opposed to just coming in here putting in time. What do I mean by that? I mean the things that made you viable in the past aren't going to be the things that make you viable moving forward. You better be continually getting better as long as you sitting in rooms like this. I ain't doing my job if I'm not pointing that out. You guys that have been here and know what it's about, man, we expect you to be significantly better. Hear the words. You were a young guy, man. We might have tolerated mental errors a year ago. We'll have less tolerance for it moving forward. It's just a reasonable expectation. And so let's just be really transparent, man, about expectations in this business about how competitive it is. I never want you worrying about people on the outside, even the man sitting next to you. This is a man versus himself battle. You got to be continually pressing to get better with that understanding that this is a highly competitive line of work that we're in. I mean, it sounds nice. It sounds like a Tony Robbins rah-rah speech, right? Like it sounds, that's a motivational speaker right there. That's the, that guy stopped being a head coach. That is a motivational speaker. And when you talk about Mike Tomlin, 
you talk about that element. Uh, yesterday I asked you guys what makes a head coach elite. And I went through my different reasonings for why different head coaches were elite, right? I went through Sean McVay and his photographic memory. So he's able to call out plays that he saw seven years ago with 15 seconds left on the, on the clock, right? Like little things like that. Andy Reid has made every quarterback around him better. Every single place he's ever been, they've been better. And his play calling is one of the best you'll ever see. It makes him elite. Kyle Shanahan makes mediocre quarterbacks into all pro quarterbacks. He gets, the, he's able to win with mediocre quarterbacks. And there's different things that coaches bring to the table that makes them elite. And for Mike Tomlin, his secret weapon has always been the fact that he's a motivator. He is Tony Robbins in a Steelers cap. He is a motivator. That's what he does best. And typically, yeah, I've always had a hard time with the idea of whether or not you can actually get the most out of somebody by doing speeches like that. I've always wondered that. I do think there is something to the idea of being a great leader or being a leader that, let's say, other people at least work off of. But when it comes to Mike Tomlin, do Browns fans have Mike Tomlin envy? Are we missing that type of leadership with Kevin Stefanski? When you hear Mike Tomlin speak like that, and maybe this is happening, we're just not aware to it, but I haven't seen the Browns put out a video like that. I remember one time, it was after one win last year, where they posted out a Stefanski postgame comment, and it was like the locker room speech you give. And I remember the morning show in particular commenting on it, and them being like, that's as loud as I've ever heard him. I didn't even know we could get to that those levels. Even that was like a third of what Mike Tomlin just gave you right there. A third of it. I was talking to my wife the other day, and I was telling her what makes my boss so great here at this radio station. And I was saying, like, he's been gone all week, and so he's not here, but I'm I'm still working as if he's here because I'm like, wait, that man can pop in at any given moment. He might be on vacation, but he might he's going to pop in at any given moment. And I said, I think one of the gifts that he has is that you never take a segment for granted. You never take a moment for granted on the radio because you never know. You got somebody, it's not Big Brother, but you got somebody that is there and is going to the next day. If he gets the slightest hint that you thought, that he thought maybe you mailed that one in, you're going to hear about it. You're going to have a conversation about it. And it's going to be constructive and it's going to be in a nice way, but you're going to hear about it. So it keeps you on your toes. Definitely keeps you on your toes. And I don't know. Maybe conversations like this with Mike Tomlin breeds that. Get you on your toes. Make sure that you're crossing your T's. You're dotting your I's. You're doing everything you need to do to be ordered to be in the right position. Maybe that's what Kevin Stefanski is missing. I've often thought with what happened with the defense last year with Joe Woods, where he basically said, I'm going to do the offense. Joe Woods, you take care of the defense. I thought... That was a failure by Kevin Stefanski to truly coach up the team in a way that you just heard Mike Tomlin do it. Dustin Fox, afternoon drive. Usually we save these things for the fan focus, but it was so good we had to do it right now. This was him talking about, and uh, with Nick as well, afternoon drive, talking about what you guys just heard from Mike Tomlin. That's why they win. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's just, it's it's so simple. Like That's why they win. Like. Mike, Mike is is um, such a great leader of men. I don't, know, I don't know that he, how much he, involvement he has in X's and O's anymore. Probably more defensively, but like he gets guys to play for him. And I'm not trying to make this whole like Browns comparison, but like, do we have that? Let me ask you do you do you feel like we have that fire 
from from our our head coach. I don't. I have not heard that fire nor that um, clarity of communication from Kevin. Stamos. He keeps it real, man. Yeah. I don't have envy of Mike Tomlin, but I agree with both of them. I've not heard that type of fire from Kevin Stefanski. I have coaches I'm envious of. I'm not envious of Mike Tomlin. I don't need a rah-rah guy necessarily. And Kevin Stefanski never sold that to you guys. In fact, at this point, I think it'd be weird if all of a sudden he did. You know, Ken always talks about how uh, grown men that wear Jordans all of a sudden at the age of 40 is like a red flag to him. Like, hey, something's going on here. This guy's ready for divorce. Something's happened. Something's not right. If Kevin Zafanski all of a sudden came into the locker room and was rah-rah guy over the top, if he replicated that speech, the way that Ted Lasso just copied and pasted Allen Iverson's speech, we talking about practice? If he just came in one day and did that and just copied Mike Tomlin's words and did it verbatim in, in trying to be like Mike Tomlin, we would think something's gone wrong with Kevin Stefanski. It's not who he is. It's not who he is. But is that inherently holding the Browns back? 216-474-0092. Browns fans, do you have Mike Tomlin envy and are we missing that type of leadership? We'll continue on. It's overtime with Jonathan Beadle here with you on The Fan. Man, in the growth and development of this thing, man, I'm talking to you about norms, expectations, mindsets, mindsets that you should have. And it's always good to acknowledge reasonable expectations. I expect you get better in all areas, man, whether it's the, the knowledge relative to what it is that you do, the maintenance and the preparation of your body, the understanding of the game, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. You need to continually be a guy on the rise. That is a reasonable expectation as opposed to just coming in here putting in time. What do I mean by that? I mean the things that made you viable in the past aren't going to be the things that make you viable moving forward. You better be continually getting better. As long as you sitting in rooms like this, I ain't doing my job if I'm not pointing that out. You guys that have been here and know what it's about, man, we expect you to be significantly better. Hear the words. You were a young guy, man. We might have tolerated mental errors a year ago. We'll have less tolerance for it moving forward. It's just a reasonable expectation. And so let's just be really transparent, man, about expectations in this business, about how competitive it is. I never want you worrying about people on the outside, even the man sitting next to you. This is a man versus himself battle. You got to be continually pressing to get better with that understanding that this is a highly competitive line of work that we're in. Congratulations to all of you for attending Mike Tomlin's TED Talk. Okay, that was Mike Tomlin on the Steelers website, and I understand why Dustin and Nick were talking like, okay, that's a that's a real statement by that man. That he is a he is doing some real coaching right there. And in the off season, maybe that's when Mike Tomlin was set to shine because in the off season he can fire that off and he can make those statements. It doesn't ring the same way week four, week five in. But that is a man that went 2-6 and six last year and then all of a sudden strung off a bunch of victories. He had that team. For the first time, it was threatening for him not to finish above 500 in a season for the first time in 20 years. And then he just reeled off a bunch of victories, a bunch of them. And I don't know. Maybe he was able to find something and dig, dig deep in order to get there. I just... You can hear the difference. 
you can hear the difference. And I'm not saying Mike Tomlin is on my Mount Rushmore of active head coaches or anything like that, because I really I don't believe it to be true. The dude has not won a single playoff game in half a decade. It's been five years since he won a playoff game. If it didn't work for the Steelers, I don't know that he would have been fired in Pittsburgh. But that seat, although it got warm last year, would have been spicy hot. Like it just, it just, you can't, you can't go five years without winning a, a playoff game and keep your job. That's just not how it works in the NFL. Even if you built up a mountain of good performances before that. But Mike Tomlin's able to because he works for a franchise that's had three head coaches in his entire existence. And he works for a franchise that sees things through. And if you want to talk about envious, and that's the question I have for you guys at 216-474-0092, asking if Browns fans are envious of Mike Tomlin. I'm envious of the continuity that they have. I'm envious of that side of things. I don't think I'm necessarily envious of Mike Tomlin and his pregame speeches or the speeches he makes on June 16th. Even though I will admit, they get me a little fired up. Just a little bit. I was like, okay, did we, did I do everything I'm supposed to today? Mike Tomlin says be better than yesterday. Mike Tomlin says, uh, if you're a rookie at this, then we're going to expect more the next year and, and all these different little mistakes and all these things. I'm like, all right, let's clean it up a little bit. That's okay. 216-474-0092. Dustin in DC up next on the fan. Hello, Dustin. What's up, JP? How you doing, bud? Yeah, hello. What's up, man? Hey, just real quick on this. You know, I don't know if I'm, I'm envious so much of Mike Tomlin or his approach, but you know, to me, there's there's kind of like three different styles with coaching. You either have the guy who's just completely respected because he's a winner. Um, you have the guy who's really authentic, and then you have the motivator. And and Tomlin, and he hits. Well, I mean, he's, he technically he's, he's hit all three, but he's kind of cornered himself in as of you know the last several years. He's kind of the motivator guy, where somebody like a Kyle Shanahan is a, uh, you know, he you know he's respected because he wins. Andy Reid, he doesn't really get out there and motivate. He's just really respected. Um, you know, somebody like Sean Payton can just be authentic in how he speaks uh, sometimes. You know, and to me, I think that's what I'm envious of because I don't get that from Stefanski at all. I don't, I don't, you know, I don't know how well respected he is, uh, you know, in the locker room or, but I, I don't get that feeling. You know, he's had one essentially winning season, even though he's only done it for a handful of times. Um, obviously, he's definitely not the motivator. And when he speaks, it's just it always comes across as disingenuous and it's not authentic. And I, you know, I don't. I don't know if any of that kind of yields or breeds any any they, you know they kind of bleed into one another. But I, for me, that I, I you know at least with Tomlin, you have something to grasp to. You have a culture. You have something there. And I I don't get any of that with Stefanski. To me, he doesn't hit. He doesn't check any of those boxes. It sounds uh, like Dustin. Sounds like you you think he's a little fraudulent. Is he a little phony to you? You know, he comes across that way. I don't know if that's by design, but, you know, it's I I get, you know, keeping everything in the locker room, in-house. I understand that. Coaches have been saying that for years, but it's just like at some point it's just like the man just seems so guarded. And, you know, Tomlin's been that way too, but he at least comes out. He just tells like, – but if he doesn't want to answer a question, he's not going to talk in circles. He's going to tell you straight up he's not going to answer the question, basically. And, you know, the, you know, I understand the approach is different, but to me, yeah, I, I do it. A little bit of fraudulent – fraudulent's a good way of putting it, JP. I, I kind of get that vibe from, from Stefanski, and I, yeah, I don't know how that's obviously going to play out. You know, obviously, again, all the coaches are a little bit different. They kind of do things their own way, and they're – but I, yeah, I, don't, I don't know. It's just – there's nothing there to really kind of cling to with this guy. Like I said, maybe that's by design. I see what you mean. And, and thank you, Dustin. I appreciate the call as always. Enjoy your night, man. Um, I see what you mean. And I want to hear from you guys. 216 474 0092. 
You know, it bothers me when Kevin Stefanski can come on the Ken Carmen show with Anthony Lima and they come in the morning. And although he was not the, I mean, again, he didn't turn into Dave Chappelle. He, he wasn't all of a sudden doing uh, his best act of, uh, you know, stand up at hilarities, uh, uh, you know, for a Monday morning or whatever the hell it was. It wasn't what he was doing. But he showed a personality. He started talking about what he likes to do in his free time. He was talking about going to the, the college or the high school basketball games. He was talking about all these different things. He expressed how he's wearing the Jordans, which again, big red flag for Ken Carmen, but that's fine. I wear Jordans. I like Jordans. It is what it is. They're just, they're a lot cheaper than they used to be growing up. I don't know. That's the gift that I give, uh, 10 year old me is having Georgia Jordans. That's the 10 year old me is really proud of that. Not proud of much else, but really proud of that right there. Wow, you own a couple pairs? Yeah, yeah, got a couple. Yeah, they're not that expensive. Really? But the whole point is when Stefanski comes in and he does these interviews and he, and he talks to the morning show, and how I thought, I thought this popped up the other day. We played that audio on the Rich Eisen show. He was talking to Tom Pelissero. I was like, my goodness, this man, he knows he can. He knows he has a personality. He can do it whenever he wants to. He just doesn't bring it out often enough. And I think that's bothersome to people. I feel like, and I, I don't want to speak for you guys. That's why I want you guys in at two one six four seven four double zero ninety two. But at least Dustin in DC is giving me the impression that what Mike Tomlin did right there was real, and that was the word Dustin uh, Fox used as well. It was real. There's something real about Mike Tomlin, and with Kevin Stefanski, they're just. I don't know if he feels like he's like a magician or something where he's trying to, you know, pull the wool over our, our eyes and then pull off some sort of magic trick or something. I don't know what it is, but there's something there to Kevin Safansky that just doesn't sit right. It's almost as if you guys are calling it out before it gets called out. You know, you, you ever have that guy in the neighborhood? You're like, I don't know about that guy. I don't know about that. Something seems a little fishy about that guy. And then you fast forward five years, and it's like, oh, yeah, uh, tax evasion. It's just a complete crook. Guy, just he just completely, he wanted nothing to do with following the law. I knew it the entire time. There's something that isn't adding up to you guys within Kevin Stefanski and how he operates. And I don't know. Maybe it's just because we don't see head coaches act like that. You know, even Sean McVay might be one of the more analytical coaches we have. And might be one of the more play-calling savants that we've had in recent years. But Sean McVay is still acting like the youngest head coach in NFL history when he was hired. Where he is dating the IG model. He shows off his mansion of a house that has the pool that overlooks Los Angeles and the Hollywood Hills. And when he talks in interviews, he comes off like, yes, he's football geeky. He's football geeky. Which is fine. That's okay. It's a thing. He's football geeky. Kevin Stefanski, he just comes across like, I don't know, hanging out with your 65-year-old dad maybe? I don't know. Like, it's nice. It's good conversations. You have fun with it. I like him personally, but, like, I, it just it doesn't feel like it doesn't add up for somebody that's 40 years old that's supposed to have Cleveland by the cojones. You know what I mean? Like somebody that's supposed to, that's 40 years old, that feels like I'm a, I'm a head coach in the NFL. I'm this play calling wizard. I do this. I do that. I'm, I'm God's gift to football. He doesn't, he doesn't have that. And I feel like the, the juxtaposition of being where he is and then where I think we all want him to be relative to some of these other younger head coaches, I think just kind of throws people for a loop sometimes. You know, Zach Taylor, Matt LaFour, they're all 
cut from the same Sean McVay cloth. And I know they all worked with Sean McVay, so there's an association there. But when you hear Matt LaFour talk, Matt LaFour represents, looks, acts exactly like you think a young NFL head coach would. And he had three straight 13-win seasons, so if the if the shoe fits. But I think that might be what's tearing people apart here. And I'm getting some tweets and Twitter reactions brought to you by our friends at Shop and Jewelers, Cleveland's premier jewelry store. D-Bake says, I don't feel like Tomlin's speech was a rah-rah motivational speech. I think it was honest. Transparent conversation with his players. And nothing about Stefanski's tenure screams transparency or honesty. That's fascinating. Multiple people now have chimed in, given us that impression that they have it as well. That, that Kevin Stefanski just doesn't scream honest to you guys. And I'd love to know what that is. A 216-474-0092. Like, I don't think Kevin Stefanski is lying to you guys. I do feel like he withholds information, though. Maybe this is what part of this is. I mean, I long have a lack of belief when a, a coach is at the podium that they're speaking truth. And I've said before, I do believe that Kevin Stefanski treats some of his secrets like they're locked up in a in you know in a key and everything at Fort Knox, like as if they're governmental secrets, as if it's uh like the true the true things with the aliens at Area 51. It's like I it's not that serious, Kevin. You don't have to treat it that serious. And I feel like because of that, maybe in turn, that's where some of these comments are coming from. Whereas Mike Tomlin feels like an open book. Mike Tomlin feels like the type of guy. That would almost dare another team to have the plays that he's going to call ahead of time and then see what they can do. You know what I mean? Like He'd almost be like, oh, yeah, that's my playbook over there if you want to go grab it. You want to grab it and look at it? Go ahead. You can't beat me anyway. Go ahead. You want to look at it? See what you can do. Give it your best shot. And then, you know, do the laughing thing and kind of like, you know, jar him a little bit and be like, get out of here. What are you guys doing? What are you, what are you idiots doing? You know, that's, a, that's the impression that Mike Tomlin gives off to me. Whereas Kevin Stefanski would be holding that playbook close to his chest and sleeping with it at night like it's a blankie. Never letting go. And I think that's maybe where some of the disparity is coming in here. But I'm fascinated by the discussion. And I'm not, I'm not trying to do some sort of like, hey, would you swap Stefanski for Tomlin? Because at this point, that doesn't seem like a real conversation. 99.9% of Browns fans listening right now would 100% swap out Stefanski for Tomlin if you could, even though Kevin Stefanski technically has more playoff wins in the previous half decade than Mike Tomlin. We look and see what Mike Tomlin has built up. We know that if he left Pittsburgh, it's not that they would crumble, but they definitely would take a big hit, especially from a culture side of things. And he just matters. He matters in a way that I feel like Kevin Stefanski to a lot of Browns fans just doesn't. If Mike Tomlin walked away within the next five years, we'd be like, ah, yeah, I don't know that they got this. I'm worried about Pittsburgh. Not that we're worried about Pittsburgh, but I, you know, I don't know that Pittsburgh has this. Whereas if Kevin Stefanski walked away, it might happen at the end of 10 games. Eh, there'll be people that'll be partying down Euclid. They'll make what Nikola Jokic did in that parade look like child's play. Step aside, seven-footer. You don't count anymore. I can get just as wasted as you can. Watch out. I want to hear from you. 216-474-0092. Do Browns fans have Mike Tomlin envy when you hear him speak in the way that he spoke right there? Do you think to yourself, man, do I wish Kevin Stefanski had some of that that he could deliver to the Browns? It's overtime with Jonathan Pittle in here with you on The Fan. I mean, it's just... 
it's it's so simple. Like that's why they win. Like Mike Mike is is uh, such a great leader of men. I don't know, I don't know that he how much he, involvement he has in X's nose anymore. Probably more defensively, but like he gets guys to play for him. And I'm not trying to make this whole like Browns comparison, but like do we have that? Let me ask you, do you do you feel like we have that fire from from our our head coach? I don't I have not heard that fire nor that um clarity of communication from Kevin. He, he keeps it real, man. Yeah. And that's been the theme. That's Dustin and Nick afternoon drive right there on the fan reacting to Mike Tomlin and it was just a social media piece that the Steelers put out, but it, it kind of got the two of them going. It's got me going a little bit here as well tonight. The idea that you just don't hear that from Kevin Stefanski, and I'm not even blaming Kevin Stefanski because I don't think that's who he is. We'll talk about that more with Miles Garrett coming up in a little bit. I, I think that is more about when you hire Kevin Stefanski, you understand that's who you're getting. If we wanted a rah-rah guy or we wanted someone that – I got a couple tweets in here suggesting that it wasn't even rah-rah. That was just a transparent conversation with his players. Okay, fine. You want Kevin Stefanski to be that guy? Tell him to listen to some TED Talks. Tell him to go ahead and uh, watch some episodes of Ted Lasso. Tell him to go ahead and take some notes, and then maybe he'll turn around and become that guy. Uh, but you guys, we all know, if he all of a sudden turned around and started being that guy, like, who the hell is this? This is not Kevin Stefanski. It's weird. I feel like, it almost feels like, you know, you remember in high school? Remember in high school when you kind of you kind of chose the, the lane that you were going down? And, like, for me, for instance, I was very preppy in high school. I was very, very preppy. I, I used to wear the polos all the time. I had one girl I was into. She said she liked polos once, and I'm like, great, I like polos. I have a theory that half of the reason why people dress the way they do in high school is based off of whatever girl they like at the time. Whatever that girl's into is how they end up dressing. You're into an emo chick, you're going to dress emo. You're into a goth chick, hello, you might end up being goth. Like, it's just, that's just how our brains work, okay? And... I don't know, so I guess I was into a into a girl that liked preppy kids. And so I dressed very preppy. And that's fine. And then like halfway through high school, I was like, wait a second. Is this who I am? Is this is this is this how I dress? This is who I am? And you're like, I can't change now. I every day I, when I'm around my friends, I'm wearing a polo. Every day when I'm around my friends, I'm I'm you know, I, it's always Amber Crombie, it's always Hollister. This is this is how I dress now. It's just how I dress. It's impossible to rip that band-aid off. The only way to do that if you go somewhere else. Right. So when I went to college, for instance, then I was like, oh, hey, these people don't know me at all from high school. I can do whatever the hell I want. Fresh, fresh new slate. It's kind of like I like moving cities. Right. I like uh, when I moved from a different city. Now I've been in Cleveland now for seven years. I'm not going anywhere. I love Cleveland. But I went from Houston to Cleveland. It's like the radio host they know in Houston that no one here knows that guy. I could be a completely different person if I wanted to. Now, I travel, so it is what it is. Like, I, I am who I am. There's no redirecting that. But it's very hard once you've picked out a certain identity to move off of that. It's very, very hard. If Kevin Stefanski all of a sudden became the head coach of the Indianapolis Colts tomorrow, he could probably get away with being more like Mike Tomlin. But if he started to do it now in front of us, we'd look at him and be like, you're trying too hard, man. This isn't you. This is not who you are. I don't know who you think you are. This isn't who you are. Do you imagine how awkward that would be if the Browns social media posted a clip and he tried to look and act just like Mike Tomlin did right there? It's not who he is. And so it's really hard for me. 
You know, because again, sometimes I talked about like the different areas where, uh, you can get, you know, kind of caught up dressing in a certain way or something like that. It's sometimes you, you dress that way because that's who you are too. And I, I feel like with Kevin Stefanski, this is who he is. But I want to hear from you. 216474-0092. The guys went on to talk about this. Here we go. You've got coaches on the staff that have been around a lot longer than Kevin Stefanski is. Those guys can, can certainly have a say and the players will respond accordingly. But at the end of the day, the, the head coach does have to have the, the, the role of kind of being that, that CEO. And the players, I, I do think the players do have to have a certain level. I say this all the time, a certain level of like reverence. Um, you know, like you, Stefanski's like young, like he seems like he's a, again, great guy, very personable. I'm sure the players love him, but is that enough? That part, I think, is fascinating. You got to have a CEO type presence. Andy Reid walks into a room. Everyone knows Andy Reid walks into the room. He can make jokes about going to the White House and being impressed with the chef for cutting out the right watermelon squares. Okay. Okay. Or not having a, what did he just, I think it was just like a Monte Cristo that he described. He's like, you never had it. Okay. All right. So you, you're a big guy, but maybe you haven't had as much culinary experiences. That's all right. That's fine. It's okay. Hey, you do a lot of staying at home when you're cutting up film trying to be great. I understand it. Okay. I understand. But the reality is, is that when it comes to someone like Andy Reid, when he walks in, people pay attention. When he's talking to his team, people pay attention. You could be Patrick Mahomes, who is worth at this point, I would guess, roughly five times as much as Andy Reid is. And he's been working for one quarter of the entire time that Andy Reid's been a head coach. But he's probably worth about five times as much. He's going to go down as one of the greatest quarterbacks to ever do it. Andy Reid walks in the room, Patrick Mahomes pays attention. Now, the guys in, in Pittsburgh, I do feel like when Mike Tomlin walks in the room, they do pay attention. Now, it doesn't mean they haven't had their knuckleheads, right? Le'Veon Bell, Antonio Brown, Juju and his love affair with TikToks. Chase Claypool has been in a very public bar fight. I could go on all day. I just top of the noggin. I can go on all day with different Steelers players that have had their issues. I'm not saying Mike Tomlin is a saint. And I, I'll be the first one to point out his lack of playoff success in the previous half decade. And by lack of playoff success, it's me telling you that I have as many postseason wins as he does in the previous five years. I'll be the first one to bring that stuff up. I'll, I'll be right there. But the reality is, is that when Mike Tomlin is making that speech that went very viral on the Steelers social media website or on their uh, Twitter, excuse me, it's not only were they paying attention, I was paying attention. I was like, wait a second. Wait, wait, no, Jonathan, close out of the Fanatics tab. We're not buying Steelers gear today. That's gross. Like, hey, but it, seriously, it was like, well, what's going on here? Why is Mike Tomlin getting me ready to, to uh, be better than I was yesterday? Why is Mike Tomlin getting me all sorts of motivated? And I just feel like that's just not something that Kevin Stefanski currently has. I'm not saying he'll never get there because winning cures all, right? And I do feel like part of the recipe in a lot of these conversations that we end up having around the Browns all revolves into the same storyline. Well, if they win, it'll get cured. And that's true. It always seems to work out that way. When you win, all of a sudden, a lot of your problems get washed away. It's the human deodorant. Just, just Winning just gets, it, it just conceals a bunch of problems that you end up having. But you don't want to end up in a situation. And this is why I would maintain that we keep this energy in talking about Kevin Stefanski, even if things start to go well with Deshaun Watson the way that I expect them to go well. I've told you guys before, I believe Kevin Stefanski is either the coach here for the next 10 games or the next 10 years, okay? 
I feel like he's got a chance to really be here for a long time if Deshaun Watson gets gets on his feet the way that I expect him to. But the reason why I'd say stay in these type of moments and where I might end up being wrong with the 10 games or 10 years thing is look at what's happening with Sean McDermott in Buffalo. Sean McDermott's a nice head coach. No one can say he's not a nice head coach. He doesn't talk like Mike Tom when he's not a big motivator or anything like that, but he's a nice head coach. He's been to one AFC title game, and now in five years of Josh Allen, the people in Buffalo are starting to say it's not enough. And they're looking at him and saying, wait, was Brian Dayball the true whisperer behind Josh Allen's success, the offensive coordinator at Buffalo at the time, now the head coach of the New York Giants? Was he the true whisperer and why Josh Allen was able to be great? One year without him, Josh Allen doesn't look like Josh Allen. And before you know it, you got him and Stephon Diggs arguing on the sidelines with six minutes left down 17 against the Bengals in the most important game of the season. It came really, really quickly for Sean McDermott. So even if you feel like you got everything figured out, if the game is within the margins and you really got to find out the little advantages you have or you don't have when it comes to Kevin Stefanski, I'm not saying we're there right now. But if Deshaun Watson is truly great, we're going to wake up two or three years down the line, and if they haven't gotten to the Super Bowl, if they haven't had immeasurable amount of success, you guys are going to turn around and say, what the hell happened? You're going to turn around and say, why isn't this good enough? And then maybe we'll go back to some of these conversations. And we'll think, what, what exactly is the difference in a Mike Tomlin and a Kevin Stefanski? What exactly is the difference in an Andy Reid and a Kevin Stefanski? Even when they have everything going their way and everything is clicking and they're winning and everything is seemingly going right, if you're not able to get to the mountaintop, you're still missing something. If you're not able to get past the Chiefs and the Bengals and the Bills, you're still missing something. And that's the question Buffalo's having for themselves right now. What exactly are we missing? You know, and I'm sure there are, there has to be a bunch of Bills fans that look at Zach Taylor, who without Joe Burrow seemed like he was dead in the water. I wouldn't have trusted coaching. I, I wouldn't have given him a peewee team. I'm mean, like, no, you're not. No, I, I wouldn't have put him in charge of running a 7-Eleven. Nonetheless, an actual football franchise. I'm like, I'm sorry. You, you can, you would not be in charge of 10 people. No, thank you. But then all of a sudden with Joe Burrow, he's found his groove and he's found his way to do it. But you heard all of a sudden Zach Taylor's got a much more, much more of a voice. He's got much more of a stake in everything. And it's just showing off. But there's got to be people in Buffalo that are like, well, what happened here? We gave you more than enough time, Sean McDermott, to figure this whole thing out. Kind of like how in Cleveland right now, we're saying, wait, where was that growth? Where, where Why didn't you take it from you know, level two to level five to level eight? Why is it we're still stuck on level two? You peaked it when in, in your rookie season, winning coach of the year, and now you've won less games in each successive season? It's tough. It's very tough. All right, two one six four seven four double O ninety two. We've talked a lot about you are who you are. It's not much changing. You are who you are. I think that we can make the same case when it comes to Miles Garrett. What type of leader do you need Miles Garrett to be? We talked a lot about leaders tonight. We talked a lot about who you are is who you are, and we talked a lot about not changing people. Well then why in the hell do we want to change Miles Garrett so much? Why is it that we constantly want to make Miles Garrett into something that he's not? Two one six four seven four to below ninety two on Twitter. There you can find me. I am at Jay Pietel, and we'll do it all next. But first, there's a new feature that makes it so much easier to follow overtime with Jonathan Pietel. And okay, just simply download the Odyssey app. 
follow Overtime with Jonathan Peter. When I say it twice, you can hear it twice. You'll get direct access to clips, show reminders, and more. Use the Odyssey app. You can listen to me no matter where you are, including your smart speakers. Just say, hey, play 92.3 The Fan. That's all you got to say. Play 92.3 The Fan. More to come. Overtime with Jonathan Peter. And here with you on The Fan. 